Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Hey, welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in this evening for Ryan Recker. And, uh, hey, Mike Anderson, hop on the mic there because, uh, you know, the last story that we did right before the break, I mean, before I took the cheap shot at Bill Clinton about the nurse giving him a shot. But before that, we were talking about this waitress who uh, who got this $2,000 tip. And, and Mike, you've, uh, you've worked in the uh, food service industry at some point in the drink industry, haven't you? Yeah, I both uh, served and bartended. What, what do you think about this, about the tip, the uh, lady getting gypped out of a $2,000 tip? Well, I guess more so than what do I think, it's it, it just raises a lot of questions because my understanding was always if I was tipped, that was my money. I mm-hmm. I had no understanding that the restaurant had any legal backing to deny a tip. Yeah, and I don't think that they do. And I think that's the big issue is that it is her money, and that's why I'm most certain that she would uh, to get representation. But have you ever gotten one of those great big tips? Anybody leave you a great big tip? Or what was the biggest you remember getting? Uh, uh, I don't specifically remember a dollar amount. But, I mean, yeah, you you serve some big, you know, 20-top parties that run up big bills. And, yeah, you can get some pretty big tips. I, I certainly never got anything in the thousands. We'll put it that way. Right. But on those circumstances when you did get those big tips, mm-hmm. my guess is you earned it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're working hard. I mean, it's not like you, you give a guy... Uh, 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 two old fashions, and he and he drops a five hundred dollar tip on you. I mean, you probably work to get those. No, I think anyone that wants to go to a restaurant should have to serve their time and serve at a restaurant for at least two months before they're allowed to dine in, so that they <laughs> understand how difficult the job actually is. That's you know that's the hardest job. I I see people who are just working hard when when I'm in a restaurant, and I see people who are who are just cheap with their tips, and I think you have no idea. Well, it would just blow your mind how how much differently you may act as a customer 
if you understood how it worked mm-hmm. from the opposite side as a server, as a bartender. That's a good rule. The, the Anderson rule. So you need to, what was it again? Say that again. You got to work for two weeks in a restaurant before you get to get served? Is I don't know the said? exact amount of time, but it'd be good for everyone uh, <laughs> if they knew how it worked. Yep. It's not as simple as you'd think. The uh, the Anderson rule, we'll have to keep that in, in mind, Mike. Uh, and I think those are, those are good words. And again, I'm sure that uh, that lady's going to get representation hopefully very soon. Speaking of representation, you heard Sean Michael Lyle at the top of the hour talking about uh, the owner of Bartolino's. He's basically thrown in the towel, at least with regard to his particular restaurant, as it you know, because of St. Louis County basically saying no indoor dining, can't do it, and uh, and I really feel for him because I don't know how he can operate a business with the kind of restrictions that are in place. But it's interesting that not all of the businesses are taking that approach. In fact, there's a restaurant I believe it's in South County called Satchmo's. They've sent an email to county officials today demanding a hearing that to reinstate the restaurant's operating permit because their position is that, uh, uh, that this rule, these, ins- these uh, guidelines that have been instituted by Sam Page, they, they violate federal law. They violate state law. Uh, it also, his point is that it violates his constitutional rights, and he's not alone. There are a lot of restaurants that have taken that position nationwide. But like we saw right here locally in St. Louis County, there was a, a lawsuit that was filed about 10 days ago uh, by the Missouri Restaurant Association. And there was a temporary hearing on that issue on November 20, and the judge rejected a restraining order that would have prevented those new restrictions from going into place. And as I have looked and analyzed the case law nationwide on this particular issue. There's really only one lawsuit that's gone anywhere on these grounds by restaurants, and it's been in Pennsylvania. And the case in Pennsylvania, a judge actually struck down the governor's restrictions and uh, on constitutional grounds, violating 14th Amendment, violating Fifth Amendment, uh, violating First Amendment right of association, and so I'm sure that's on appeal at the moment, and and we may not have heard the last word on that particular issue. But my point being is, is that by and large, that litigation nationwide has just not been very successful. It's not been successful. And uh, I'm certainly hopeful that some of this would be more successful because, you know, we hear that the restaurants are super spreader events. And yet when I've been eating at a restaurant and, and my wife and I eat out with some regularity. At that point, the restaurants that I've been in, there have been more than six feet between tables. And people are wearing masks when they're walking from to the restroom or walking in and out of the restaurant. They're wearing masks. And we're told, we're told if you keep that six feet apart and you're wearing a mask, then my goodness, you're not going to be spreading the, the uh, coronavirus. So I'm really not sure about the science behind these current restrictions. And uh, we're going to go, I think Ron's been holding. Hey, uh, Ron, welcome to Camo X. Yes, uh, my thought was, I understand that uh, assemblies that are discouraged or uh, considered to be in violation uh, have an exception for protests. Why don't the people who are going to eat inside these restaurants in St. Louis County right. just call their action a protest, and <laughs> therefore it 
would be allowed. The second thought is, uh, what about the taking of property, obviously the dining room, uh, without just compensation by a government? Right. And, and that's under the takings clause in the Constitution. And, Ron, that's actually been the focal point of multiple lawsuits, including this particular one that the judge ruled against the Missouri Restaurant Association on November 20. The takings clause was one of the issues. Now, that lawsuit wasn't dismissed. The judge just refused to grant a temporary restraining order. So that lawsuit will have to proceed to see if they can claim and get damages for being forced to close. But you raise a good point. On your first point, though, Ron, about the patrons claiming that they're eating in protest, I got to tell you, earlier this summer, pastor at my church called me, and he was concerned about whether we could actually have church. And I told him, I said, of course, I was a little bit kidding, but I told him, I said, well, when folks show up at church, just hand them signs and we'll call it a protest, and then there won't be any regulations or restrictions. And uh, he, he didn't like the idea as much as I did, so he didn't do it. But my point, my point is, being is it does point out the hypocrisy, because if we want to have a protest, there are no restrictions. But if you want to go to church, you want to eat in a restaurant, you want to go to a small store, can't do it. Boom. Not allowed. So you've highlighted that disparity between those two ideas, Ron, and I appreciate you calling in this evening. Take care. All right. Take care, sir. Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk to a great friend of mine. His name is Mark Moreland. Uh, He's a practicing attorney. He's the head of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. And we're going to be talking about some of these very issues, including whether or not people should be able to sue businesses and allege that they got uh, they got COVID by you know dining out at Acme's restaurant or wherever they want to go. So when we come back from this break, Mark Moreland will be joining us uh, probably for the next 30 minutes and going through this and many other issues. If you'd like to weigh in, even though we're going to be talking to Mark, if you want to weigh in by phone or by text, you're welcome to do it. 314-436-7900 on Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in. And hey, before we get to Mark Moreland, I got to tell you, you know, we've had this conversation with uh, with Ryan Recker uh, regarding his review of the McRib sandwich. And I've got to tell you, you got to go over to his Twitter feed at Ryan Recker and check out. There's a someone has gone to great lengths to take that iconic picture. You know what I'm talking about from Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana Jones is measuring the sand in the bag and he's got this hand on the golden statue and he's getting just getting ready to move the golden head and slide in the sandbag right into place in order to steal it. Well, that iconic photo has been replaced. The golden statue face has been replaced on Ryan Recker's Twitter feed. You got it with a McRib sandwich. And it says, Ryan Recker, Raiders of the Lost Pork, which actually raises an important question is there truly any pork in a McRib sandwich? You know, that I, I know lots of things, folks. I don't have the answer to that one. But I know someone that's got the answer to most other questions, and that is Mark Moreland, who joins us. Hey, Mark, welcome to Camo X. Hey, it is, it's great to be here, great to be with you. 
Uh, I'm, I don't know about you, Brant. I'm just trying to enjoy the apocalypse. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of folks enjoy the apocalypse with a McRib sandwich, but uh, I, I, that's not one of my favorites because you can't eat one of those things without taking a bath in the sauce. So that's, that's not at the top of my list. But I will tell you, as I introduced Mark Moreland, he's been a good friend of mine for longer than I care to remember. In fact, I think, Mark, when you and I first became friends, I probably had hair back then. So it was that long ago. But uh, Mark's been practicing law for about 30 years, focusing on personal injury law, workers' compensation, always representing those who have been injured. I'm usually on the other side. In fact, I'm always on the other side, which is how Mark and I got to be good friends over the years. But he's also the current president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys, and he's been a longtime state Democrat strategist and advisor. And Mark, I wanted to have you on this evening uh, because there's a lot of things going on in Jefferson City. And I know that you're got your finger on the pulse of what happens in Jeff City. Most of the time, you're not necessarily in favor of it, but you're aware of it. And I want to start with this issue. Uh, The Missouri Senate today, in a special session, they had uh, initially intended to take up a COVID-19 business liability shield bill that would protect businesses from being sued by people who claim, you know, look, I showed up at, at, uh, at Walmart and I got I got COVID. But that bill was pulled, that provision was pulled by Governor Parson at the last minute. Now, I say that because it's still expected to advance to a floor vote in the upcoming legislative session. What are your views, Mark, on this COVID-19 liability shield for businesses? Sure, sure. Well, first, Brad, as always, thank you for having me on. I always enjoy, uh, I always enjoy doing this with you. And as you've said, I've enjoyed it since you've had hair <laughs> and you could actually see my ribs on my stomach. So That's been a while, my friend. That's truly it, been a it, while. <laughs> it has been. It has been. So actually, I testified against the bill on Tuesday, and it was during that uh, three-hour hearing on the bill that the governor tweeted, because I think that must be the way Republicans now announce their political maneuvers, that he was pulling the bill and ending the special session. So... Uh, that was, but it was. It's always an interesting experience, and I, I enjoy it greatly when I'm down there. W- what the bill purports to do, really, is protect premises owners, medical providers of all types, including nursing homes, and product manufacturers from their negligence during the time of this crisis. And what I mean by that is that. If a nursing home, for example, were to leave your uh, relative, uh, not turn them in the bed, not provide them with food and drink, they, they get bed sores or an infection or they die of dehydration, and they didn't mean to do it intentionally, this bill would keep you from filing any litigation against that nursing home or at least from winning any litigation against that nursing home. It would only be if you could intentionally prove that, uh, or prove that they had intentionally done that. Um, and, and it seeks to do that because, you know, nursing homes, let's face it, are facing very difficult times with staffing yes, they are. And, and caring for people uh, and, and the costs that they've had to absorb. And so it's trying, I think, to give them protection, but I think it's misplaced. 
likewise, products manufacturers who have decided that they're going to make masks or that they're going to make a ventilator or hand sanitizer, if they're merely negligent in making the product, um, you couldn't win in litigation. So what does that mean? It means when we got 50,000 masks for firefighters and other first responders in this state and they turned out to be defective, if if you couldn't prove that that was an intentional, even though the firefighter or EMS worker may have died because they, the mask was defective, uh, you couldn't sue for that. Um, and, and I have a problem with that. I think that people should be responsible. Um, and when they are responsible and take responsibility for their actions, then they're adults. And when they take responsibility, then we're all safer. Uh, whether we're the nursing home resident or the firefighter or first responder. The other thing that I simply said to the legislature is so far, and I say this as of yesterday, I haven't checked today, but as of yesterday, there have been zero lawsuits because, you know, this is a communicable disease, Brad. And to, to go to a restaurant and then say, well, I got COVID at the restaurant or to go to the grocery store and say, well, I got COVID there and I think it's your fault you're not going to be able to establish that and you're not going to be able to win that kind of a lawsuit. Um, so, so if you're not going to be able, but Mark, if you're not going to be able to win that kind of a lawsuit, what's the harm in creating the shield? Because I look over at Illinois, I've got a lot of good friends in Illinois. I'm born and raised in Illinois and in a majority of my practice, a lot of times, depending on the season is in Illinois. And yet, if you look over there, there have been multiple lawsuits filed in Illinois, most notably one against Walmart in Chicago, because Illinois is a much more litigious avenue for lawsuits than Missouri. So what's the harm in setting up a a shield liability law here to make sure that COVID doesn't become the next asbestos or the next breast implant litigation, you know, where litigation goes on and on with a very difficult chance or a very uh, a difficult, uh, uh, low probability of proving causation, but juries are still willing to, to award money to plaintiffs because in more cases than not, they're severely damaged, their lives have been ruined. And so even if causation is in question, the damages are severe. It creates a nightmare scenario for litigation. I don't see the harm in preventing that from happening before it actually gets started. And, and, you know, and I heard that argument, believe me, on Tuesday. So here's my response. First, I don't think that we ought to try to resolve a problem that there isn't any, right? It's sort of like the shark repellent theory in the Mississippi River. Someone <laughs> says there's no sharks in the Mississippi, and you say, well, that must be because of the repellent that we got. So, and, and if we haven't gotten it, we better get it now because, you know, the sharks are coming. The fact of the matter is, for example... The Gov- Governor Parsons has issued an emergency order that covers first responders and all types of medical providers. And it says if they're deployed, they have some immunity towards uh, uh, from suit. And, and so they have, to, they have to sign up for a deployment in order to be a, uh, covered. I don't know that they, anybody has gone out and done that. And it doesn't mean that you sign up for de- to be as a deployed CNA and you get shipped from O'Fallon to Kansas City. I think if you simply sign up, you've got some coverage already. And then also the standards that we have here, and you know this, 
is is what a reasonable provider of service would have done in the same or similar circumstances. So if you have difficult circumstances in the nursing home, right, you you can't get PPE for your people because you just can't find it, um, that's going to be taken into account in, with any kind of lawsuit that gets filed. And so the law takes into account the difficult circumstances that people find themselves in. Well, it does to a point, Mark. I'm sorry I'm going to cut you off for just a moment because we're coming up here on a break, but let's carry this conversation into the next half hour, if you don't mind. I'm talking to attorney Mark Moreland. He's a plaintiff's attorney, uh, but he's also the president, the current president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys and has agreed to uh, generously give us his time this evening to chat about some of these legal issues. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. Hey, don't go away. We'll be back right after this break. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. We're chatting this evening with Mark Moreland. Uh, he's the president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. And Mark, you made a point that there may be some liability issues with regard to proving these COVID lawsuits against businesses, but that doesn't stop people from filing lawsuits. And aren't businesses still have the potential of being saddled with paying litigation costs, you know, hiring folks like me, and I'm not cheap, okay? So they still have to hire folks to defend these lawsuits when wouldn't you even admit that it's going to be incredibly difficult to to say that 
that uh, you know Joe Sixpack actually got COVID while he was at the hardware store? Sure, yeah, sure. And I think I think in fact, Brad, that's what protects businesses now from those types of lawsuits. As you know, whether it's my business or yours, we have to make a living. We've got people. We've got to pay their salary. They've got a 401k. They expect us to put something in it for them. And so it keeps me and most other lawyers, I would think, from filing lawsuits in which I can't win because I don't get paid until I collect money. And so not only am I not getting paid for a loser, but I'm also spending time that I could be spending on other efforts. Finally, there's this, even not the financial part. When people walk into your office and they've been injured or they've lost a relative, God forbid, we tell them it's going to be difficult. It's going to be emotional. You're not going to get this behind you until the litigation is behind you. You don't drag those folks through those things and then have to take them back into the conference room and say, I'm sorry, we couldn't win this one for you. So again, I don't know about the Chicago lawsuit, and I certainly don't practice in Chicago, and there are reasons for that. Um, But I know that in St. Louis, there isn't a bar or a restaurant that's been sued because somebody got COVID there. And one other thing, and keep in mind, this bill is really broader than that, right? Because it protects the nursing home, for example. I use them as an example, but it protects them from any negligence act that occurred in the nursing home, as long as they could point out that they were also dealing with COVID um, uh, during the time that the negligent act occurred. So, you know, if you have someone that has to be turned in a bed and they're not turned regularly and they become ill because of that, have bed sores because of that, it's not that they had COVID. It's that the nursing home was dealing with COVID and somehow this excuses them from taking care of your relative. And think about it. You're not even allowed in the nursing home right now to check on your relative. And there are good reasons for that. But, but at this point, the most vulnerable people are who, who we need to protect by keeping the laws that we have on the books. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong on that them. part. You're not wrong on that part, Mark, and you and I can find some agreement on that because, like a lot of times with some of these death statistics that we're seeing, I think a lot of times that someone who dies uh, with COVID is being listed as dying from COVID. And I can see the potential, and of course there's an enormous difference between those two concepts. And I can see that that the possibility of nursing homes stating that, well, we were dealing with COVID, so we were negligent for not turning your, your mother or grandmother, uh, that's different than saying uh, well, you're suing us because of COVID. And those are two different concepts. And, and I, to me, I hope that when that bill actually comes into the uh, legislature in, in January, that that part of the bill some, at some point gets removed because, to me, that's too all-inclusive. That, that's right. And, you know, look, nursing homes, when they were testifying on this bill on Tuesday, we're talking about tremendous raises, for example, in their insurance liability premiums, even though they haven't been sued. Perhaps what we need to look to, Brad, is some insurance reform to give these people some relief or that Medicaid isn't paying for some of their costs associated with caring for people who are sick with COVID. That's silly. We need to step up in those ways 
because we have to acknowledge that nursing homes are often doing yeoman's work in keeping our people safe, as are as are our healthcare workers. They are, and and I will point out that 16 states so far have passed COVID liability shield protection laws. I look for more to do that. I certainly expect it eventually to happen in Missouri. It's just going to be the process of of uh, working out, from my perspective, what should be and should not be in this particular bill. But, Mark, I want to move on. And, again, of course, we're talking to Mark Moreland, uh, plaintiff's attorney and president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. But State Senator Koenig has filed pre-filed a bill in Jeff City, I think it happened this week, uh, maybe even yesterday, uh, that would place limitations on on counties in general, but we all know it's in particular to County Executive Sam Page's ability to enact business shutdowns. And I took a look at that bill today, and it would limit countywide shutdown orders to two initial weeks over a two-year period before requiring approval from the legislature and the governor. Now, the legislation would eliminate property tax for businesses during a shutdown and disallow restrictions for religious institutions and caps on the number of people able to gather in a home at any given time. What are your thoughts on that particular uh, COVID-related legislation? Sure. And let me say at the outset, when we were talking about that, the the, uh, business liability shield bill, that's Mark Moreland, president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. Now we're on to Mark Moreland, uh, private citizen <laughs> Good distinction. Uh, and, and attorney, because the trial lawyers uh, have not and probably will not take a position on th- this bill. So that said, um, I, I, I respectfully disagree with the good senator on this issue, and I'll, I'll tell you why. We use terms like community spread and communicable disease and public health crisis because this has to do with the community. Um, And so at times, individual liberty has to be subservient to the need to protect one another. And what, what I've said is this, being able to do what you want, when you want, isn't liberty. In fact, it it may be anarchy. (laughs) Liberty is the idea in a democratic society of all of us getting together and creating some rules that allow us to live safely with one another. And so in a time of crisis, right, government has as its most sacred duty to protect its citizens, right? We've seen that in wars, and we've seen severe restrictions in wars um, on our civil liberties, the right to buy uh, all the meat and gasoline we wanted to in World War II. The freedom of assembly. Not to serve in the armed forces. So I think that the government, when uh, when, uh, our safety is at stake, needs to have the right to act uh, to protect its citizens. And by the way, Governor Parsons doesn't disagree with me, at least so far. Well, I I look at it like this, Mark. Uh, I'm a conservative. I don't mind. I'm proud of that fact. And one of the tenet concepts of conservatism is local rule and control. In other words, states' rights, uh, the Tenth Amendment has a reason for being there. It's not irrelevant. States have rights, and it's easier to govern and to, and to uh, enact laws for the benefit of a state 
locally rather than let someone in Washington make those decisions for you. But if you take that decision to the next level, I think it's easier for a county to to institute health and safety rules that apply to that county rather than letting Jefferson City do it. That's why I like that Governor Parson has said, I'm not going to institute a statewide mask mandate. That's for each individual county and, and municipality to make those decisions. So to me, it seems to be contradictory to say that as a conservative, I want local control. But in this instance, I would rather Jefferson City make that decision. So that's the problem that I have, even though I feel for these businesses and I think that in many instances, these businesses are suffering from uh, an encroachment on their constitutional rights, many constitutional rights, that should be decided locally, not at a broader level in this instance in Jefferson City. Sure. And and so I, I, I agree with you in this sense, right? I have seen conservative government in Jefferson City now for years. We've had that really for years. And I've seen them time and again take local control away when it suited their interest. And I think it does go against some of their own conservative principles. I mean, for example, the St. Louis City passed an increase in the minimum wage law years ago. The legislature promptly promptly, uh, took that away. I think this is similar. The one disagreement that I would have is I would have liked to have seen a statewide mandate. And in fact, I would have liked to have seen national mandates because the virus doesn't know where county lines begin and end. And what we've seen here is that we'll have a shutdown in St. Louis County. People will go to Jefferson County or St. Charles County or drive to the Lake of the Ozarks. They have big events there. They come back and they spread the virus. Um, even in South Dakota, you know, they have that national uh, deal every Sturgis. year. Sturgis. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, contact tracing has shown that that Sturgis event in South Dakota actually created uh, pockets of spread in at least four different states aside from South Dakota. So I think we needed more um, uh statewide efforts here. And by the way, the CDC doesn't agree with, doesn't disagree with me. They've uh, been critical of Missouri very recently within the last week or 10 days for us not doing enough to slow the spread. And keep in mind, this is, you know, these debates that you and I have can get kind of esoteric and sometimes are over lunch, or at least they used to be before all of this. Uh, but, um, But we're now having a 9-11 per day in deaths in the United States. And so this is a, it, it is serious, and governments need to have, at all levels, need to have room to act to do what they're designed to do primarily, which is protect their citizens. Understood. So hey, I, Mark, we're coming up on a break, and when we come back, we're going to take this conversation to more of a national level. I've got some topics I want to discuss with you in your personal capacity as an attorney, not in your capacity as the president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. Thanks for making that distinction. Mark Moreland joining us this evening on Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. Don't go away. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX.
Welcome back to Overnight America. Joining us is uh, Pat Benatar, but in addition to Pat Benatar, we've got Mark Moreland with us this evening. Mark, thanks for uh, hanging with us through the break. Sure, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I want to transition to is to national level, and and Wisconsin just finished a recount of their of the ballots uh, this week, a few days ago, confirming, according to the count, the Democrat, uh, obviously Joe Biden's victory over President Trump in in what was a key battleground state. Now, Trump's vowed to continue to challenge the outcome in court, even though I think that's a a, a futile effort, but he's going to continue to do that. My question is, a lot of my liberal friends are just consumed with this idea. I get texts from lots of friends on this issue often, consumed with this idea about the president has to concede and is the president going to leave the White House and is what's going to happen on January 20th. And I, I tell them from my perspective, I just don't see this as an issue. Do you see this as an issue? Well, you know, I have to tell you that four weeks ago, I would have been one of your liberal friends texting you saying, you know, <laughs> is this guy going to get out of town or not? Because I, I really wasn't sure. We should have been sure all along because really he's he's actually a very weak person, and it, it would take you know it would take some moxie to you know barricade yourself behind the door. I think that he's gonna I think he's gonna leave. I don't think he'll ever concede because I think he lives in sort of this delusional state where he'll convince himself he never lost. Uh, here's my here's my McRib sandwich, sandwich bet, though, <laughs> with you or, or Ryan, if you take me up on it. I don't think that he'll be on the inaugural stand on January 20th. Oh, I'm not taking that bet. There's no he's going to be at Mar-a-Lago, and there's no way there is no way he's going to participate in that ceremony. You're exactly right. Yeah, and so so here's so then so then I'll extend that out. And what do you think he's going to do? Is he going to announce his 2024 run for the presidency? Or is he going to announce Trump TV or Trump communications? Because you know he won't be quietly sitting there January 20th or on the golf course, right? I mean, he'll be, there'll be a press conference somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he, I, there, I'm there just will guessing be. he'll announce something. You're, you're exactly right. I, I think he's going to put together some investors and buy one of these uh, smaller conservative TV networks uh, to compete with Fox News, which really places Fox News between a, a rock and a hard place in terms of demographics and building an audience. Uh, but but from from my uber left friends that are just consumed with this idea, I keep telling them, you know, this is not a difficult question to answer, uh, even though I would much rather have preferred, uh, uh, obviously, President Trump to stay in office. But the issue of whether he leaves is an easy issue. At at twelve oh one on January twentieth, he's no longer the president, and if he's in the White House, he'll be arrested for trespassing. It's, and we certainly know that Biden isn't going to kick in the door because he's got a glass foot. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> that's right. He's got a glass foot. And my question is: did, Is there any evidence of you know Kamala Harris setting up any trip wires? I don't know. I haven't heard anything, but that's obviously a a, a, a slim possibility. But he's not yeah. going to be kicking in the door because Biden's not going to be kicking in anything with that soft boot that he's wearing. But yeah, uh, well, but there's no way that he's got that that Trump is going to be at the inauguration. It's not going to happen. But he's also not going to even be in the White House. No, no. I I think you know there's been two presidents in the remote past 
uh, the Andrew Jackson being one, and I forget the other, who left in the days, I think John Adams was the other one, actually, that left in the days leading up to the inauguration of their uh, successor. And I, I think Trump will put himself in that historical context. And, and you know, you're, you're right. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't, I don't want Joe Biden walking the dog. Uh, I don't <laughs> want him doing a lot of exercise. Uh, and for God's sake, take the elevator and not the stairs. Exactly. Right? I mean, we're just, we just, we just need to be careful. Be, be careful all. out there. Be, be very careful. Hey, in the just a few minutes that we have left, I want to touch on one other issue. Uh, last week, the, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo cannot enforce coronavirus restrictions on religious gatherings and services. You know, he set up a, a situation where you couldn't have more than 10 people in a church if you were in what was called, I think, the red zone. And if you're in an orange zone, which wasn't quite as hot, you could have up to 25 people in church. But, you know, there were no limitations on how many people could go to Walmart. Uh, there, there weren't any limitations on that. So uh, the Supreme Court ruled five to four in favor of the religious organization, stating that uh, that, that was uh, invalid and unconstitutional. How do you see that ruling? So first, I think we have a new court. Uh, I think it's a very conservative court. I think when Judge Roberts becomes the fourth liberal, uh, that's a signal that we have a conservative court. The other thing I, I would say is this, going back to some of our earlier conversation, is in a crisis, I think you have to give some room for the government to do things that you wouldn't normally even consider. And World War II, again, a great example. We interned Japanese-American citizens for safety, and the Supreme Court ruled that we could. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that ruling, but Judge Rehnquist had been known to defend it. Uh, I think in this case, we needed to give the executive branch some room. And the way to deal with that, ultimately, are elections, right? If you really think that what they did was terrible and awful, you vote against them, you vote them out, and it doesn't happen next time. But but I also understand the need to worship. Uh, you and I both used to meet each other uh, at, for lunch after after church on Sunday at different churches, and, and it's it's just a tragedy that people can't get together uh, in, a, in a way that gives them comfort during this time. Well, yeah, that's great. I mean, I enjoyed getting together with you after church, but if there had been a pandemic going on, we couldn't have even gotten together at church under these New York rules. And, and listen, here's, here's my big problem. You gave the example of the Japanese internment during World War II. That's actually the best argument against these types of restrictions. Because at the moment, in the heat of the moment in World War II, someone had the great idea, and I say great, I mean facetious, but they thought it was a great idea to intern people simply because of their Japanese heritage. And it was an atrocious idea in reality, but they couldn't see it because of the context of the moment. And I see the exact same issue now where we're all afraid about getting together for a church, so we're going to restrict church services. But there's no question, at least in my mind, that you're discriminating against religious liberty when you say you can go to Walmart, you can go to some other, you can go to a, a bar, in even New York, you can go to some other establishment. In Nevada, it's even more egregious. You can go and gamble in a facility that holds 1,500 people, but you can't have more than 10 people in a church. 
And I'm glad that they ruled that way. I'm just sorry that there were at least four justices, including Roberts, who couldn't see the bigger picture that we cannot throw our constitutional liberties out the window simply in the name of a pandemic. Hey, we are coming up on a hard break, Mark, so I'm going to have to let you go. You've given us lots of your time this evening. And uh, and again, if folks want to get a hold of you, I know you're a plaintiff's attorney. You and I often have cases together. How can folks reach you if they want to reach out to you? They can call my office at 314-621-6600. And Brad, thank you so much. And thank your listeners. It's always a pleasure. Fantastic. Mark Moreland, plaintiff's attorney, head of the uh, president of the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys. Thanks for joining us this evening. He joins us on the Quiver River guest line. Next hour, more news of the day. And at the 11 o'clock hour, we've got the one and only Michael Lynch on Camo X. We'll be right back. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.